to the Barracks Podcast. Welcome to the Barracks Podcast. Welcome to the Barracks Podcast. Featuring Amanda Keen and Kirsten Kotsian. The views, comments, statements, and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the official position of the Salvation Army. Hello, everyone. How y'all doing? I know you can't respond. But we're glad that you're here and we're glad that you're listening. And this is season two. Yay! Of our but, podcast. But we don't know which episode yet. No. But if we're in season two. Yeah, okay. And that's we're an here. exciting thing. So we are sitting here at hashtag CBLI 2019. 2019. I said that. 2019. <laughs> we are all sharing a microphone because we're having some technical difficulties, yeah. as one does. During season two. During season two. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Zane has stolen our SD cards. I am putting him wow, on blast. Burn. Um, Dang, holding girl. a hostage. Uh, like, what did we do to you? What did we do to you, Zane? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but we are we are sitting with our friend Adina, who we're going to introduce in just a second. We are all sitting together on the couch because we are sharing one microphone, and it is wonderful. So glad we're here wonderful. doing this. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so, um, that's you guys know that we had a. Just gonna keep moving. Back. Adina's cracking up. Quiet. She has seen. I was being quiet though. <laughs> she was being quiet until I called her out. But we, you know that we have a goal, had a goal of recording four podcast episodes at CBLI. Mm. And mm. why, you might ask. Why? why? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you heard me whisper. Ask why. Um, they did because, that. Because. <laughs> they did that time. <laughs> because we have so many friends that we get to hang out with at CBLI. And it's a good time to just join a fellowship and have good conversation that's true, that's true. and we are so glad that adina is here at cbli because we get to yeah talk with her um yeah yeah it's weird right. having one microphone because i feel like you want to say something i i was just saying yeah yep that's right wow that's literally okay. what i was saying so is that why it felt awkward because i'm talking but nobody can hear me i think that they can hear i you. think they can hear me too because it's picking up it's picking up all the noise so, um, throughout season two, we are going to, sorry, I just got a text from Zane because I, I did tell him that he stole our SD cards and then he just messaged back and said, no, I did not. He wow. Did. He did do that. Wow. This is turning into controversy of the century. <laughs> this is the biggest controversy since, since 2010. Who knows what controversy wow. happened back then? Wow. So, as yeah. I was saying, um, during season two, we are going time. to come back to, I think we're going to do a series, but it's not going to be like a block of a series, if that makes sense. It's not going to be like consecutive episodes. But throughout season two, we're going to do this series called Around the Table. Um, sorry, I'm <laughs> dropping my phone <laughs> through my phone. Um, around the table, which is very closely related to this come to the table theme that if you were at CBLI a couple, I'm sorry, commissioning a couple years ago, there was this theme of come to the table. And um, I feel like it really kind of 
took flight. I don't know how to how else to say that, but uh, there were just different divisions really hooked on to that. And people, I would hear people say this come to the table thing. And I think it's because it's something that we all want. Like we all want space at a table, um, a table to share vision, to share our thoughts, to share our passions. Um, so we're calling it around the table. Um, and we're going to invite different people who, one, we want to literally give a place at the table to, um, whether they are a soldier, adherent, friend of the army, employee, everyone deserves a shot to be at that table. Um, so we have Adina uh, O'Neill here. Um, sorry. She doesn't even know my name. I do. I do. Um, Adina O'Neill. And I'm really excited to have her because I, I mean, I haven't really known her that long, um, but she is currently, and I'll let her t say her exact title and everything, um, but she is currently living in community with the um, Temple House um, residents in St. Louis, um, and she does way more than that, but I'm going to give her the mic and just have her kind of introduce herself and um, maybe just start with sharing how did you come to the Army world? Okay. All right. Thanks for having me, friends. It's been a year. We met a year ago. We met oh, my gosh. It's so crazy. It feels longer. I know, right? Aww. Aww. Fast friends. Aww. <laughs> I've been in both your homes. Yes. You've never been in my home. Aww. Come to St. Louis. Be in my home. Okay. Okay. Aww. Okay. So I'm Adina, and I am the community life coordinator at Temple House. So what I do there is I recruit young adults to come spend a year with us to learn about social justice and activism, um, neighborhood revitalization, local government, um, a lot of things that happen in communities we learn about. Um, and there's also a faith component. We partner with Temple Core, it's in our neighborhood and we worship there on Sunday mornings and also help with ministry out of the building. Um, so how did I come to the army? It was actually through Temple House um, in 2016, one of the Temple House apprentices, Lexi, was looking for a site to host Justice Day and a church that I used to be on staff with um, hosted Justice Day. So that was my first introduction to the Army and Temple House and the singing company came down and led worship there. And it was really cool um, to get to be a part of that. Um, and then through that relationship, I was asked to come speak at a night of empowerment at Temple House and um, became friends with Sarah um, Johnson. She's also um, in the community. And so we would bump shoulders quite often on Cherokee Street. And so um, we just got to know each other. So that's how I got here through events and relationships in the community. Yeah. That's great. It's really, we're glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? What is happening? Sorry, you want me to say we're... that? <laughs> Say that into a mic. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, okay. Do you want me to do like a segue? <laughs> yeah, do you want me to do a segue? Let me just say, and I think we will all agree, I'm going to start a poll on our social media um, of how many times I like tell, I say something, but like whisper it. So like, I think I'm being like incognito or whatever. 
This time she didn't whisper or do anything at all except hand me the phone. And then I looked at it, and the next thing is just like a thing in a sentence. And it's like, what's the explanation point? There's like, there's no smooth way of starting that part except for by being really awkward. And then now I'll just, you want me to just say it? No, I'm not. It just sounds really, it's so random. But it, I think it's, True. It's true. Because it's okay. So the nice thing we said was that it's hard being an outsider. <laughs> so we were like, so okay, it's not funny because if something's hard, that's not funny. But the thing is, we were gonna maybe discuss about how the army can welcome newcomers because for many people, you know, if you go somewhere and you're new, no matter what place you're going, you definitely can tell if you're welcome or not, or if you're embraced or not, within like 20 minutes of being there. 20 or, seconds. Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just slow. <laughs> <laughs> like it takes me a while. Like, oh wait a second. I don't feel as welcome here. So yeah, it's hard being an outsider. Um, so we're gonna maybe to have a little bit of a discussion of what are some ways that we can welcome people. And did we want to do like by category of people who are newcomers? Yeah. So, <laughs> and <laughs> the whole reason that um, this got brought up is I was just having a conversation with Adina yesterday, really, and you know we were talking about how difficult it is to to come in from the outside into this world that is everyone kind of knows what's happening and you're like what is happening you know from the outside so um our first category can be um kind of a discussion of how can us as a collective salvation army welcome newcomers specifically to the core and then we'll go into like the broader salvation army church community so um adina Let's start with the core setting. All right. So being welcomed into the core, I think um, a way to do that is just talk to people. Um, If you notice somebody is sitting by themselves and kind of looks a little bit lost, um, assume that they are new um, and introduce yourself. I think that's huge. Like introduce yourself, um, invite them to sit with you, um, ask them who they are, where they're from, like what they do. For me, my experience at the core was a little bit different because I was on staff, so I knew people. Um, So it wasn't really that I didn't feel welcome or uninvited. It just, I didn't feel known. Mm. Mm. (laughs) She literally just took the microphone to say, "Mm." okay, that's great. Um, That's good advice. What now, especially being at something like this at CBLI, right? Mm -hmm. And last year was your first year true at CBLI. So what are some tips about how we as a community can welcome newcomers in something that's bigger like this? Yeah, great question. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. That is a really good question. Um, last year, I came up here knowing one person. I, that was Sarah Johnson. And I was kind of like at a family reunion, like either a distant, distant cousin or like the person who was dating somebody new and everybody's trying to figure out who I am and why I'm here. Um, but um, I met some really great people and have stayed in contact with them and I think built pretty good friendships with some folks um, out of that. But I think at like broader um, the broader church community or community, um, I think it's really important to 
take time to get to know the new members of your family because we are um, a family. We are one family. Um, ask us to share our stories. Learn about what we're gifted in and passionate about. Um, our jobs are a small piece of who we are, and I think sometimes we can be identified by what we do instead of who we are, and there's a whole lot more to us than what we do. Um, invite us into times of fellowship outside of Sunday mornings and core ministries. Mm-hmm. Spend time with us and take time to have shared experiences with us. Um, I think that's how friendships are built, just upon shared experiences and time together. Um, and knowing that it takes work to build um, a friendship and relationship, but if we're going to be in partnership and collaborating, um, it's really important to to have a relationship and to build trust with one another. Um, and sometimes it's hard um, for like the outsider. I'm going to use that term because that was the term that was token to use. It's hard to feel like you have to invite yourself into things all the time. So being invited feels really nice instead of constantly feeling like you have to invite yourself into spaces. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. That was great. Those are, it's easier said than done. Mm-hmm. 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 Cause I was thinking about when you're talking about like building friendships, that can be a real struggle. If, um, like if someone's social life revolves around all the core activities or whatever, mm-hmm. it can be really difficult to build a new friendship with someone who's new. So there is kind of a possibility of making it a discipline to leave like a margin within your own schedule all the time so that if there's someone new, you could have a little extra room there to like cultivate. But that that would be hard to do for probably a lot of people because there's like this sense of maybe an obligation to invest so much in everybody who's already there that when someone new is coming in, it's like, oh, I don't have like, <laughs> you know, like how, where, where do we make space? But I, and I like what you're saying, though, about um, just extending the invitation to someone new. Like, if there's something already going on, to say, like, hey, we want you to come and join us, this group, um, and, like, building it from there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, thinking about something like this, like CBLI, um, something a little more broad, it can be very easy to stay in like our comfort zones and our bubbles, like with our friends that like we don't normally see or like whatever, like you can just kind of stick in that. And that can oftentimes become like exclusive um, without even really meaning to do that, Mm -hmm. right? But it takes being intentional and mindful of seeing kind of like who's on the the edge. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like um, who doesn't really have the person to sit with or who doesn't have the person to walk to the dining room with and, and eat with. Um, and sometimes it's inconvenient. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like sometimes we need to let ourselves be inconvenienced for the sake of our like brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because at some point someone was inconvenienced for me and that's how mm-hmm. I came in, you know? Yeah. So I think it's a good thing to think <clears throat> about. Um, want to transition into um, a little bit more about Adina. Um, Ooh. I know, right? That's crazy. But I think I just, <laughs> I, I've known her for about a year, which, and honestly, it feels like longer because we have had some shared experiences and um, I've been really grateful for those things. But I, 
And I give glory and praise and honor to God for this. So, so this is not like a huge pat on the back for Adina, um, but it kind of is. But she's just incredible. Like she has such an amazing heart for Jesus and people and community. And she loves well and she loves deeply. And um, she's not a soldier and she's not an adherent and she's not an officer or a local officer or any of those labels that we would give in the Salvation Army. Like she is like, it sounds weird to even say like she's an employee because like that's it's so much more than that. Like you are a part of us Mm -hmm. um, and you belong and you should have a seat around the table. Um, She has so many years, like 15 plus years of experience with churches, doing programming, like getting stuff up and running, like the stuff that the Salvation Army is built on, really. Like you have so much experience, you have such deep community investment, like in the place that you're serving in St. Louis, you grew up there, like your roots are there, Mm -hmm. like you are still there, you are still present, you know people, like you are invested. Um, Like we need you, like we need more Adinas, but like with a different name, like, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we need people like Adina. <laughs> like Adina. It'd, be, it'd be weird Adina if we got too. like Adina 2 and Adina 3. Adina four, <laughs> keeps going. But we, but we need you. And also, you know, we need officers and soldiers mm-hmm. and adherents and local officers. And like we're all needed. Like that's, I think part of the beauty of the body of Christ, right? So what that leads us to is that we need to be working in partnership with one another, okay? So for example, you, if you were to come, let's say, let's switch this around. And right now I'm in Gary, um, Gary, Indiana, I love it. Um, But let's say that you lived in Gary and you like grew up in Gary and you were invested in Gary, right? And I just got to Gary as the officer. I want a partnership with you, right? Because I have resources Mm -hmm. that you don't have, but Mm -hmm. you have knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm trying to set up this idea of this partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to pass the microphone to Adina, and I want to talk about, I'd love to hear you talk about what that partnership could look like. Mm -hmm. And we'll start with like the benefits of a partnership like this. What, What does this look like when it's operating really well? Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So um, I'll just share a little bit of story, like more background just about partnerships. Um, So after the Ferguson uprising, um, after the death of Michael Brown, um, an organization was formed called Faith for Justice. And it was local clergy who wanted to be present in the community um, because there was a need um, for light in dark spaces. And one of the things that kept happening is there were no resources. And I had very loose connections to Salvation Army. Like I knew Charlene um, and Darren, but um, there was one time that we were out doing an action downtown and we needed water delivered, like a need for water for protesters. And we called and Salvation Army dropped off like five pallets of water. Um, Another time, um, one of the biggest homeless shelters in St. Louis uh, was shut down and there was no place for unhoused people. Um, so Faith for Justice was opening pop-up 
um, homeless shelters all over the city and there was a need for beds. And so again, we called Salvation Army and they gave us beds <laughs> for people. And um, this was all before I worked for Salvation Army. This was my knowledge of Salvation Army was very small um, as an organization. Um, one time we were out in an action and I saw a, a soldier, an officer, I didn't know what she was, um, in a uniform and it's Gail Aho out in an action, like <laughs> doing a disruption, who's now my boss. <laughs> and like, like, but there's trust built, like just because of that, the partnership. So I think like practical ways to partner um, with the community is like Salvation Army has resources that people in the community don't have. Um, but there has to be a relationship with people in the community for Salvation Army to even know what resources the community needs. Right. Um, and just trust built that we can ask. Like there's there's space for people outside of the Army to ask for help. Um, and Salvation Army's been great. I mean, they've been great about helping and providing and doing things in St. Louis. Um, that's been my experience. Um, but specifically like partnerships, doing Temple House and partnering with Temple Core, kind of what that's looked like. and. It's kind of weird because, yeah, I, I'm, I'm staff at Salvation Army, but I'm also really involved in the community, and they kind of all flow together. Like, I'm a whole person. Like, I don't mm -hmm. really separate. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, yes, resources is one. Um, the Salvation Army has a lot of resources that the community needs. Um, community centers. I mean, just space. Temple Core is a huge building with a gym and a cafeteria and welcomes in so many different ministries that are not Salvation Army ministries. Young Life meets there. Um, there's a basketball program, a music program. There's lots of things happening um, that the city just doesn't have space um, to even host these things. And Salvation Army is very giving um, of their space, which is a huge asset um, to our community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also um, the Salvation Army, the name is known. You know, you've been yeah. around. We've been around for a long time, 1863. Five. Gosh, so close. So close. Eighteen sixty-five. I missed that on the test. Sorry. But I will say, just even um, the officers that I've worked with in St. Louis, um, the benefits of partnership is they're already passionate about the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to come alongside one another. Yeah. So then the flip side of that mm -hmm. is that there, in addition to benefits, there are going to be some struggles. Um, so. We don't want to like throw anybody under the bus or anything. I, I wrote this answer out, so I want to. Ooh, <laughs> prepared. But that's that's the next part is you know what are what are some struggles that we can have. And here's the thing, like I'll be the first to admit that I don't know everything, right? So like this is why we're doing this particular podcast is it's not about throwing anybody under the bus. No. Like it's about Learning. we don't Learning. know. Yeah, we don't know how to work together sometimes. Like, we don't know how to partner together in the best way. So, um, yeah, Adina, if you can give us some tips on how we might be able to better do that. Yeah. All right, so struggles about new partnerships and being the newcomer to the family called the Salvation Army. <laughs> um, there's a lot to learn about the culture of Salvation Army. It's kind of its own culture, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of acronyms. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, yep. um, I feel like as being part of Salvation Army, you're forced to jump into a relationship with people really quickly um, because we have goals and visions and things that need to be done. And that kind of takes priority. So you just kind of have to jump in really fast. Um, as a new person, it's hard to feel like sometimes that I'm not stepping on toes or crossing lines that I don't even know exist. Um, mm -hmm. 
I've probably done that a ton. Um, I also really struggle with the rankings of officers. So I just call people by their names because I feel like it's easier just to call someone by their name than to get their rank wrong and then have them feel like I'm disrespecting them because I'm not. Like, this is just, like, the silly stuff, but I know it makes, like, it makes an impression on other people that, oh, I don't even know Mm -hmm. their rank. But it's a new, it's a new concept. It's it's new, and I'm, we're learning, new people are learning. Mm -hmm. Um, Struggles, you have to constantly stay humble and assume the best of each other. Um, As someone who grew up in the community that I work in, it's hard to accept new people. Street cred is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that it's hard for community to welcome new folks in and to build trust, especially in transient spaces. Um, I have nicknamed St. Louis a leaving city. There's lots of reasons why people come to St. Louis. Um, there's lots of universities and hospitals and great programs. Um, it's a great learning space, but people kind of come, get their education and leave, and they're kind of learning on the community. Um, and that is really hard in a community and it's hard to to trust new people because in our minds people come get what they need and leave um so it's really hard to constantly have to rebuild relationships um and that's that's a big struggle and i know there's a lot of transient um and moving around within the salvation army and that's really hard for the communities that are left mm-hmm. behind when mm-hmm. officers are reassigned all right yeah yeah, so kind of going along with those struggles, are there things that you, like any tips or strategies that you would want to share with, you know, the body yeah. about, um, you know, how to handle those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, if you are walking into partnership or in a new city, um, know that we know that you're needed and valued, but there's also a little bit of trauma and hurt from Mm -hmm. always being left behind um, and being kind of stuck in a space when other people get out and we're kind of there and knowing that the Lord is doing stuff too. I mean, I love, I love St. Louis. I want to be there, Mm -hmm. but there are parts that are really hard um, that I wish were different. Um, But I think um, for these relationships tips that I have is if you're thinking about hiring someone new to the Salvation Army, be patient with them. Take the time to really get to know each other. Share your vision and dreams for the ministry that you're working in and the community that you're working in. Take the time to listen to the new hire, especially if they grew up or have been in the community you're serving longer than you have. Their insight is invaluable um, and their experiences are invaluable and should really be considered um, as programming is being thought about, as space use in a building is being thought about. um, Really... Get to know your community, spend time. It seems kind of counterproductive. I would, I think like going to a new space and actually like not being in the building, but actually being in the community because there's a to-do list, I'm sure, of things that you're supposed to be doing and getting done. Um, But kind of let the programming be pushed to the side for a minute and really focus on relationships and building trust because the programming will come naturally. Um, The relationships don't come naturally. I feel like they require a lot more work. Um, We know how to We know how to start youth clubs. We know how to do open gyms. We know we know how to do all of these things, food pantries, um, work with seniors. Um, But I also think that seeing the dignity and value of people in our community, like not just as people who come in because we have something that they need, but really taking the time to get to know them and hear their stories. um, It's really important and it means a lot uh, for people to know that they're seen and valued. So Take the time um, to invest in relationships. I think your ministry will be much richer um, because of it. Yeah. Thanks. 
Can I ask you a couple questions that we did not prepare for? Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, boy. Um, I think they'll be pretty easy questions okay. because I think it's just all and stuff that we've had prior conversations mm-hmm. about. But um, I should have written these down as I was thinking of them. Uh, one of them is, because you are part of the Salvation Army. I am. So I belong here. I have a you t-shirt belong that here. says that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. T-shirts, of course. Everything <laughs> it says on a t-shirt makes it true. Um, but it's <laughs> not true. Why that's not world? true. <laughs> um, but what is one of the things you love most about being part of the Salvation Army? You can take that any direction you want. I know it's kind of a big, broad that's question. Very broad question. But what is one of the things you love most about being part of the Salvation Army? I think I love that there is um, history and tradition. I think those are really important. Um, that we're not kind of reinventing the wheel. Like we can be innovative in things, but there are things that have been working. Um, so systems are in place and it's working. Um, I think also I love that people in leadership have really been open to listening to new ideas um, and to to letting us try things. I mean, Temple House, we totally switched the program up my first year here. We switched to an apprenticeship program where all the young adults came and they don't work. Um, They get a stipend. Their housing is paid for. Utilities are paid for. And it's really a learning program. It's um, an experience-based learning program. And, you know, I think... I've had the freedom to make mistakes and to try things, um, but I've also felt incredibly supported in that. I've never felt like in fear of losing my job if I try something and fail at it. Um, So it's a very safe space to be. Mm, That's really good to hear. The the flip side of that, um, so as someone who is newer to the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And this is not like this is this question is meant to be in like in a positive light, right? Like what is one thing that comes to mind that you see that the Salvation Army could improve on? Like what can we do better um in your opinion? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Question. Cuz we know, let's just be honest, like we know that there's plenty that we could improve on. Like we do a lot of things well, but some things we're not so great at. Um, so there's always space to grow. Uh, so what's one of those things that you have experienced or could identify as something we could improve on? I wish you could all see Adina's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> my face says more than my words will ever say. Anyone who knows me knows that. Um, something that the Salvation Army could improve on. Well, hmm. I think one thing that has stood out to me is the need for officers um, and kind of just this, I don't don't know how to say this, like cores that are dying, like cores that don't flourish um, and the need for officers and there not being a whole lot of people interested in officership. Um, I just wonder what it would look like if that process was different. Um, Mm. At Temple House, we have a couple of apprentices who are interested in officership And we have a lot of conversations about this with even like CFOT Mm -hmm. students who come um, to St. Louis for practicum. We've had some conversations about this and I don't know, I just think that sometimes the way that systems are set up or rules that are in place or policies that are in place, they kind of keep people away from doing things even if they're called to do ministry. Um, 
And there aren't a lot of positions like what I do, um, where I don't have mm-hmm. to be an officer to do this position. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I think there are a lot of young adults who want to be in ministry full time, but maybe don't want to adhere to the rules of officership. And so I just wonder if that process looked differently, um, if there would be a, a surplus of people interested in being officers, maybe. Um, so listening to like the young adults who are the future leaders, um, that's what we're doing. We're training leaders, um, future leaders, and it's not at CFOT. It's at a one-year program, um, but really just listening to them um, and their thoughts. Yeah. I think that's a really great point, and part of the reason why I think this Around the Table series will be a good thing. Something that um, you just said stuck out in that when we look at, we'll just look at our central territory, um, you you kind of have like a unique like position, like you're in a unique job where... Like, I'm trying to right now, and I'm sure there is maybe somewhere. Like, I can't even think of another person that's kind of doing the things that you're doing and given, Mm -hmm. like, a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we do need to rethink a lot of the things that we're doing because there are young adults Mm -hmm. and this next generation coming up um, who are 100%, like, the Lord is leading them to officership mm-hmm. in the way that it looks like, and that's awesome. And then there's some who are feeling this like tug and pull to this full-time ministry, but not that way. Mm-hmm. So what, what do we do with that? And I think that is a, a, a real tension that, you know, we need to kind of look at like, what, what does it look like for all of us to be around the table um, mm-hmm. given that spot but to live out like our unique giftings and callings Mm -hmm. um, that don't look like the next person's, you know? So I think that's a really good point. Um, And I I think maybe even down the road in this season, we'll have an episode that kind of talks a little bit more about that. So the last thing that I want to ask you before we close our time together. And I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this. Um, Talking about having a seat around the table, what would be one thing that you could name that would help you feel like you had like a full spot at the table? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I think just based on conversations we have had, um, there's still... You know, you're, you're trying to figure out, like, where where do I belong in this? You know, like, where do I fit in this army family? Mm-hmm. Um, what would help make you feel like you truly had a spot around the table? Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of my experiences over the past year. And um, I'll just use this one as an example. So I work off-site. Temple House is off-site of DHQ. Um and when I go to DHQ, I have to ring a buzzer to be let in. And I'm always asked to sign in. Nobody knows who I am or what I do. Um, so there's this feeling of not being known mm-hmm. by other leaders. Um, and that just, it feels weird. It feels weird that I am a leader mm-hmm. in the Salvation Army, but I'm known by Gail, Sarah, Grant, and Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I don't I don't know what it looks like to be included like when they I don't even know if there are leadership things that happen at DHQ with all of the leaders together but I think making an effort to kind of pull us into that um, I think that would be helpful just that people would take the time to know me and not just know that Temple House is kind of over on the south side of the city up and running going good but actually taking the time to either come come visit Temple Houses come get to know us see us um, work alongside us or invite us there. I think it's that still not being known. Um, I feel very unknown. I feel very known by Gail and Sarah, who I work with, but that's that's it. Um, yeah, so being known. And I would, I think what you were describing, a lot of people would resonate with that of, I'm a part of this big machine and like the two or three or four pieces next to me know I exist. But the other pieces don't even have a clue, right. like what what I do or how I contribute to this. And I, I just call it a machine because I think we are pretty good at being a machine. I like machines. Yes, pass yeah. I'm gonna pass it along. Yes, Adina, thank you so much Yay. for spending time with us. Um, we really value you and cherish you, and we are so glad that we get to, you know, in army terms, fight the good fight right next to you, um, down in the trenches, down in the trenches, together, yes, shoveling, so, killing rats, Picking saying a lot of things, lights out our hair, so thank you so much for being here, thanks and, for having um, me, yeah, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time, bye.